Hi, my name is Jackie Marcel, and I serve here at Heights Baptist Church in the children's ministry. Thank you so much for joining us today online. If you would like to connect with us, you can go to our Facebook page, you can go to our Instagram, or you can go to our website at heightschurch.org connect. Thank you for joining us. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to open to Judges chapter 6. Uh, Judges chapter 6 is uh, where we are going to be this morning. So if you've got something to turn on to a Bible app or a physical copy of God's Word, if you'll open to Judges chapter 6. You know, Christmas is right around the corner, and I am sure someone may have asked you at some point already what you want for Christmas. Now, you might have written a list and you said, all right, uh, I'm going to write down everything I want for Christmas. I was thinking about it this way. When I was a kid, my mom would sit me down with the J.C. Penney catalog. Anybody? And I have a sister who's four years older than me, and uh, she would say, Tanya, sit here with Lee and help him make his Christmas list and make sure he doesn't write down just toys for Christmas. But I would sit there with that J.C. Penny catalog, and I would just go right over all the clothes section. Of course, I'd hit the toys, and I'd you know, make my list, right? And so maybe you've written down a list. Maybe you've verbalized some things you want for Christmas to somebody that says, hey, what do you want for Christmas? But I, I guarantee you, there may be something that you want for Christmas that you've not said out loud. And it might be this. Is peace. And this Christmas, you just want a little bit of peace. Now, now as, as parents, Christmas break just started on Friday, and you're already like, kids, can I get five minutes of peace and quiet, right? I just need five minutes, just peace and quiet around here. Uh, maybe, maybe in your life right now, there's something that's bothering you. You're anxious, you're worried, you're tired, you're depressed, you're stressed, and you're just thinking, man, I just need some peace. Maybe there's somebody at work that you sit beside all day long or they're constantly in your office space and they're just talking up the whole, you know, whole week, just draining your time. And you're thinking to yourself, I want you to go back to your office so I can have some peace. Yeah. You look out at our nation right now and in our nation, we need peace. I mean, there's, there's, you know, major cities where there's riots, there's protests. You know, our, our two political parties are probably more divided right now than they've ever been in our history. And we could look at our own nation and say, man, we need peace. You know, you look out at our world. And it, things happening internationally. We need peace. you got Israel at war with Hamas. You know, Ukraine at war with Russia. And there's other conflicts going around in our world with countries versus countries. And you can say, man, we need peace. You know, I want to introduce you this morning to Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. We're going to meet Jehovah Shalom today, and that's what that name of God means. The Lord is peace. See, we're in a series this Christmas called Christmas Has a Name. And what we've been doing the last two weeks and this week is we've been kind of going through the Old Testament, leading us up to the New Testament, looking at names of God. And because we're looking at those names of God and why that's important is because when you understand some of the names of God, you understand who he is and what he does. And what that's leading us to next week, we'll be in Matthew chapter 1, looking at the birth of Jesus, that he's our Emmanuel, God with us, and then 
Christmas Eve night, we'll come back and look at his birth again and how we're able to call God our Father. But what we've been doing and why we're doing that is taking you through the Old Testament, leading you to new, is because Christmas, that Christmas story in your Bible, is not just found in the Gospels. It's not just found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's just not about shepherds and a manger, but it's all throughout the Bible that this Christmas story that God is sending a Messiah, that God is sending a Savior to redeem his people. So this morning, I want to meet you, uh, introduce you to a man by the name of Gideon. And Gideon in his life, what was happening is Gideon needed peace. And he was about to meet Jehovah Shalom in a moment in his life where everything was chaotic and he needed peace. And here's what I want you to get today. Here's what I want you to know, just kind of walk out the door with is this. Only God is the one who brings the peace you're looking for in your life. I mean, if you want to write that down, I, I hope you leave with that today. Just that truth right there. So many of you are looking for peace in so many different situations. And only God is the one who brings you the peace that you're longing for today, you're praying for, that you want, that you're seeking. Only God brings you that peace that you're looking for in your life. So this morning, let's meet that God. Let's meet Jehovah Shalom together. When we come to Gen or, uh, Judges chapter 6, you see first, there's a promise of peace in times of chaos. All right, there's a promise of peace that Gideon's about to get in times of chaos. So let's pick up in Judges chapter 6, verse 1, if you'll find that with me. It says, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hands of the Midianites seven years. And the hand of Midian, verse 2, said, overpowered Israel... And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. Verse 3, for whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no substance in Israel, no sheep or ox or donkey. Look in verse 5. It says, for they would come up with their livestock, their tents. They would come like locusts in numbers, both them and their camels. And they could not be counted. There's so many of them. And they would lay waste the land as they came in. And verse 6 says this, And Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the people of Israel cried out to help for the Lord. Now, verse 1 tells you something very key to understand about what's happening is that Israel now has done evil in the sight of the Lord, and God has given them over in the hands of Midian for seven years. And if you understand the book of Judges, if you've ever read through that, or maybe you haven't, let me just tell you the whole pattern of Judges. The whole pattern of the book of Judges is this. The people of Israel will sin against God. They won't be sorry for their sin. They won't be repented of their sin. So then God sends in an enemy. God sends in one of the enemies as a form of discipline. They come in and overtake them. Then the people of Israel go, okay, listen, Lord, we've blown it. We've sinned against you. We're sorry. God raises up a deliverer. The deliverer then will run the people out of town that shouldn't be there. And then now the people are going to repeat the pattern over and over again. All right? Sound familiar kind of in our own lives, right? 
Lord, I, I, man, I, I sinned. I shouldn't have done that. God forgives us. And there's some little discipline at times. And then over time, what do we do again? We fall back in the same pattern, right? So there's this pattern all through the book of Judges. So what you've got in verse 1 is that historical key moment. Israel is sin. They've not repented. They've not turned from their sin. God has sinned in the Midianites, and they're over the Israelites now for seven years, causing all kinds of problems. Now, now who are these Midianites? And these guys are actually kind of interesting because the Midianites come out of the lineage of Abraham with one of his wives. And Israel and the Midianites used to be friends. They used to be close to each other. When Israel escapes out of Egypt, it's the Midianites that help them. But come to Numbers chapter 31, something's gone on between the Israelites and the Midianites. And by Numbers chapter 31, they're at war with each other. And now there's this conflict. And so now you see they're coming in. They're taking over. They're taking over all the crops. They're laying waste to the land. And what does the Israelites do in verse 6? And as Israel is brought very low because of Midian, and the people of Israel cried out to help for the Lord. All right, Lord, man, I, we need help. All right, we, there's all kinds of chaos. We need the Midianites gone. We know what we've done. All right, and, and we, we need you to intervene. And I want you to notice there's a promise of peace coming in the midst of chaos. Because drop down to verses 9 and 10. God says, I'm going to send a prophet. And he sends a prophet. And look in verse 9. He's going to give him a prophecy. He says, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Verse 10, and I said to you, I'm the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in those whose land you dwell, but you've not obeyed my voice. So I want you to notice that promise right there that God gave them that, listen, I'm now going to deliver you out of this. There's going to be peace that's coming. There's chaos reigning, and God says, I'm about to send a deliverer to deliver you out of the chaos. Boy, doesn't that sound a lot like a Christmas promise right there? That amidst of chaos, amidst the chaos that the Israelites were still in under the reign of the Romans, and the, and the Jewish people are like, man, we need to get these Romans out, and all these things are going wrong in our lives. And yet God sends a Messiah. God sends a Savior over 2,000 years later from where Gideon's standing. And so here you've got a promise of peace and chaos from Jehovah Shalom. But now he's going to say, I'm promising you a deliverer to come. There's going to be one, Gideon, not only just a promise of peace coming, but there's going to be somebody, Gideon, that I'm going to send to deliver the peace to bring peace. And all right, and so let's pick up back in the story. Now you've got an angel of the Lord who appears in verse 12. And an angel of the Lord comes and he appears to Gideon. And he says to Gideon, the Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. Notice verse 13. And Gideon said to them, please, my Lord, if the Lord's with us, then why has all this happened to us? All right. And, and where are all these wonderful deeds that our fathers have recounted to us? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us in the hands of Midian. Now let's just stop right there and comment real quick. Did you catch what Gideon's saying? Angel of the Lord comes. 
An angel of the Lord, remember, we, we kind of went over this two weeks ago. Anytime you see an angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, a lot of times this is what's called a theopony. A theopony is a visible manifestation of God in, in some type of form that humans can understand. Right? So this is God that is now manifested himself to where Gideon can understand this is an angel of the Lord. This is somebody different than his friend Joe. Right? And, and now the angel of the Lord is saying, listen, Gideon, here's what's going on. And I love Gideon's response, verse 13. Man, God, if you're so good, why are things so bad? God, if you're so good and you love us so much, why, why are these Midianites here? Why, are, why in the world are all these hard things happening in my life? And it's almost like the angel of the Lord wants to go, Gideon, don't you have a clue, buddy? I didn't put you here. You put yourself here, right? You know, it's kind of like the moment where you run the red light and you get pulled over and the officer goes, you know why I pulled you over? And what do you have to say at that moment? Well, yeah, some of you may say, I don't know. Some of you might say, I go to Heights Baptist Church. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I will not confirm. Well, I will confirm that I have used the Heights Baptist Church card and gotten out of running a red light before. I'm pastor of Heights. Oh, wait, well, you go to a great church. He'll just let you go. Don't run any more red lights. All right, I'll try. But what happens when that officer's like, you know why I pulled you over? Yeah, I ran the red light. All right. Same thing here. God, why are we here? Why are the Midianites here? The Lord, because you've disobeyed me. Right? You broke your end of the covenant. They're in a covenant where the Lord says, you obey me, I bless you. You disobey me, there's going to be consequences to that. You and I ought to always remember something very, very simply. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. Right? Some of the things that happen in our lives are a direct result of our sin, right? So some of the suffering that we have sometimes, it's not God's fault, it's because you committed the sin, and that's a consequence of that. And so Gideon's saying, hey, what's going on here, God? I thought you were this good, loving God that took us out of Egypt. I am, but you're the one that sinned against me. But did you notice what the angel of the Lord's about to say? And I, I love this, because pick up in verse 14, because the angel of the Lord says this, and the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, Gideon, and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do, do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Because my whole clan is the weakest in Manassas, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I'll be with you and strike the Midianites as one man. I love this. There's a promise of peace and chaos. God says, I'm going to do something. There's a promise of a deliverer to bring the peace. And God says, Gideon, I'm going to use you to save Israel. You're going to be the one that's going to deliver the peace. Now, Gideon's sitting there going, there's got to be another Gideon around here. Because you, you, really, me? You want me to go do this? You're calling me? Because did you notice the excuses that Gideon started giving? 
He's like, whoa, whoa, hang on, God, I can't do this. I mean, my, I'm from the weakest clan in Manassas. Even in my own family, I'm the runt of the litter. And now you want me to deliver the Israelites out of the hand of the Midianites? And do you notice how God addressed Gideon in verse 14? He said, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. Or your translation may say he's a mighty warrior. But where's Gideon in this moment? He's hiding, right? He's trying to store up what little food they've got left before the Midianites find him. And so Gideon in this situation is nothing of a mighty warrior. He's nothing of a man of valor. He comes from the weakest clan in Manassas. He's the runt of his family. And yet God saw something in Gideon more than what Gideon saw in himself. And you and I need to remember that. Because God sees more in you than you see in you. And so when God comes to you and God comes to me and he says, listen, I want you to go do this. I want you to go do that. I want you to go do this. You and I can be a lot like Moses when God said, Moses, once you go in, you're going to leave our people out of Egypt. Moses is like, hey, I can't go to Pharaoh. I don't talk real well. Hey, God, I, I can't do this. I, I, I got this problem. I got this problem. I got this problem. Right when God comes to Gideon, God, I can't do that. Don't, don't you know I'm the run of the litter in my family and the weakest tribe in Manassas? Lord, there's no way you can use me. Maybe you and I ought to remember that God sees more in us than we see in our own selves. And, and, and here's the thing. I love this. Do you notice this promise in verse 16? Look at it again. God says, Gideon, I'm going to be with you when you do this. I, I, I'm going to be with you when you do this. And I, I love that promise, right? Because any time in the Bible... When God calls someone to do something, he equips them to do it, and then he promises his presence when they go. All right? I'll say it again. Anytime God calls someone in the Bible to do something, he equips them to be able to do it, and then he promises his presence when they go. All right? So Moses, I want you to go out and you're going to lead the people of Egypt out of, out of or lead the Israelites out of, the, out of Egypt. And he says, hey, Moses, I'm with you. Joshua, I want you to go. I'll be with you. Gideon, I want you to, be, to go. I'll be with you. Jesus tells the disciples, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching people everywhere to observe the word of God. And I love the way the Great Commission ends in verse 20. And lo, I will be with you always to the end of the age. Right? Acts 1, 8. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Every time God calls you to do something, he equips you to do it, and he promises you his presence when you go. Listen, this makes me stop and say this. If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? And that's what he's telling Gideon. Look, the people are in trouble. There's chaos all over the place. I'm promising peace. I'm promising a deliverer to bring the peace. Gideon, that's you. And here's what I love. And here's why this story reminds me of Christmas in so many ways. Because you notice who's taking the first step in this? Who's taking the first step to bring the peace? It's not the people. It's God. 
And isn't that the great promise of salvation? That you and I, in our salvation, we didn't take the first step to God. God took the first step to us. God says, listen, you've sinned against me. You've rebelled against me. There's separation between you and me now because of that sin. And I want to redeem you. I want to save you. I want to be with you. And so I'm coming to you. I'm going to take that step to deliver you, to save you. And just like this, God said, Gideon, I'm sending you to go save the people. And God sent Jesus Christ in this world who demonstrated his own love toward us while we were still a sinner. Christ died for us. And that's such good news that God doesn't sit back and say, you take the first step to get your life right, then come see me. God says, no, no, you're not going to get your, right, your, your life right until I come see you. And now he's come to us, bringing us this peace, bringing us a deliverer. And I want you to notice finally Gideon's response. All right? Gideon's response. So he has this conversation with the angel of the Lord. And Gideon, being Gideon, kind of puts a test out. And he's like, hey, I just want to make sure that you are the angel of the Lord. Hang on one second. Let me go get some food. Brings the food out. Angel of the Lord does a miracle with it. Disappears from Gideon. But look at Gideon's response in verse 22. It says, then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. Man, Gideon knew, boy, God was standing right there in front of me. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace to you, do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon, verse 24, built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord's peace. That was Gideon's response. God, you're my peace. Lord, you're my peace in this minute, moments of chaos. Lord, you're my peace in this call you put on my life. Lord, you are peace. You know, about 500 years later, there's going to be another prophet, and his name's Isaiah. And Isaiah is going to write something, a promise of peace, of one that's going to bring it to us. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Isaiah is going to write, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and, he shall, uh, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And you know, when Jesus was born, on that night, the angels said to the shepherds this in Luke 2.14, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. It is Christ this Christmas season that you and I need to remember is our Jehovah Shalom, that Jesus is our peace. He is the Lord of peace. Now, now how is Christ the Lord of peace in your life? Right? I think we need to just ask that this Christmas because so many of us want that. We want peace. How's Jesus our peace? Let me give you four ways he is just real quickly. First, Jesus is our peace in our inner conflicts. In our inner conflicts, Christ is our peace. This morning, there's a conflict going on in your life. There's anxiety. There's worry. There's stress. There may be something you're ashamed of. 
they're depressed, whatever's happening in you this morning that you're saying, man, this is just causing some chaos. This is hurting. It is Christ Jesus that is your personal peace today. He is your Emmanuel. God is with you as a believer in Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says in Philippians 4, 4 through 6, that we don't have to be anxious, that when we pray and we turn those things over to the Lord, that the Lord gives us peace. And as believers in Jesus Christ, sometimes that peace passes all understanding. All right, and so Jesus is that personal peace in your inner conflict today. But notice this also. Jesus is that peace in our interpersonal conflicts. We have conflicts with each other. It's Christmas time. You know you're going over to someone's house around Christmas for dinner, or some are coming over to your house, and you're like, uh, right? You've got the aunt, you've got the uncle, you've got the cousin, You've got the sibling where you're like, we just don't get along real well. And you know what Christmas does? Sometimes it exposes all of that. Sometimes Christmas and the holidays, when we get all together and we're there all in one spot for an extended period of time, what can happen? Some interpersonal conflict. But here's the good news. Jesus Christ is peace. And he can bring peace to those conflicts this Christmas season. And so maybe that looks like you taking the first step in mending that relationship. And you're already looking at me thinking this, well, I'm not the one that's at fault. You might not be the one that's at fault. You brought the right roles last Christmas. And, and, and you did what was right. But maybe this Christmas season, you know, you say, listen, let's stop fighting about who brought what, who bought what or what we happened years and years ago, how about we just come together and have some peace? And, and, and the only way that works is sometimes for you as the Christian to extend that peace. And that other person may say, man, I don't want any peace with you. I don't want anything to do with you. Okay, that's on them. But you do what's right this Christmas season. Because Jesus Christ, he not only takes care of our inner conflict, he takes care of that interpersonal conflict we can have with others. Let me give you the third way. Jesus brings peace internationally. Right? When there's international conflict, Jesus can bring peace. And I mean, I think you and I right now, we can look in our world and see fighting. Russia, Ukraine, Israel, and Hamas. And say, Jesus, we want to see peace. And here's the great news. Is when Christ Jesus comes back again, there is perfect international peace for all of eternity. He will end all wars. He will end all conflict because when Christ comes again, Philippians 2, 10 and 11 says, there is a day that's coming where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Those in heaven, those on the earth, those under the earth. And so there's coming a moment that nations of all kinds of people will drop to their knees and say, Jesus, you are Lord. And that's why you see in Revelation chapter 7, you have the nations of every tribe, tongue, and people standing around the throne of God saying, you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so this Christmas season, you and I can remember Jesus is our Jehovah Shalom. 
He brings peace within our inner conflicts. He brings peace to our you know, interpersonal conflicts. He can bring peace internationally. But here's the greatest news of peace Jesus brings. Jesus brings peace between you and God. He brings peace between you and God. And, and listen, all those other needs of peace I went over, those are important. But the most important need of peace you might have this Christmas season is between you and God. Because here's the truth of the Bible, just simply summed up, is none of us have done right. We've all done wrong. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. All right? I even confess to you just standing here, not planning, I've ran red lights before. I've broken the, the law, right? I mean, we've all done things wrong. Man, you, you may ascend on the way over to church today. You got into it with your spouse. Well, you got into it with the kids. You walked in here with anger in your heart. You're carrying unforgiveness. You're carrying bitterness. All of us. All right, let, let's, just, let's just not pretend. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us has not always done right. That's what the Bible says, Romans 3.10. God's design is for us always to be with him. That's why God made you. God made you to always be with him. But because you've sinned and I've sinned, what's happened is now brokenness has come into our world. And now because of that brokenness, there's a lack of peace. There's chaos in our lives. There's chaos in our culture. But God doesn't want you to stay in that position. And so God says, I love you so much, I'm going to do something about it. And this is what we call the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, in this world, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life with God. And now it's because of Jesus, you can come back to this God that you've sinned against, that took the first step in reconciling with you by sending his son Jesus and you can have eternal peace with God. Because that's what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, that we have peace with God through the blood of Jesus' cross. And I want you to listen to this verse as well. Paul also says in Romans 5, 10 and 11, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have reconciliation, or now we have peace. Listen, we sang it earlier, so let's just remind ourselves of this. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Man, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. He is our peace. And this Christmas season, I pray you find Jesus Christ as your personal Jehovah Shalom. Let's pray together. Would you? you know, the Bible calls us just to pray in our own words, in our own way. And so maybe you've never really prayed or you say, I'm ready to place my faith in Christ, but I don't know what to say. Then I'm just going to pray a simple prayer that you can follow along with me right where you are. And it's God, 
that knows your heart. And so you can simply just bow in prayer and say, dear God, today I'm ready to place my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. You know, if you've prayed that prayer today, first and foremost, we are proud of you. We're excited that you're taking that step of faith. And we'd love to connect with you, follow up with you, and, and just cheer you on in your journey now with Christ. And so you can connect with us by going to heightschurch.org connect. Click the decision tab. That's going to bring up a form for you to fill out. That's going to come right to me. And we're going to be in touch with you to see how we can come alongside of you and encourage you. If you're in our area, we'd love to connect with you in person on a Sunday morning. Our life groups are at 9 a.m. and our worship service starts at 10.30 a.m. So we hope to see you soon and we hope you have a great week. God bless.